Hello and welcome into today's episode where we will be joining Legacy Church there in Shebbyville, Tennessee, where I will be preaching a word that I pray and I hope blesses your life. I pray it takes you to greater heights in the kingdom. Get ready because I believe God is going to do something special with what you're hearing today. Legacy Church to stand and honor the word of God. Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 1. We're going to go to verse 8. The Bible says this. In the year that King Uzziah's, in the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord. That word Lord is translated Adonai. Sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim were standing above him, each having six wings. With two, each covered his face, and with two, each covered his feet, and with two, each flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. You see that that's all capitalized there? That translation of the word is Jehovah or Yahweh right there. So the two names we're going to be covering today is Jehovah Adonai or Jehovah Yahweh Adonai. And in this text, Isaiah uses both words, both names. So holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Holy, holy, holy is Jehovah Yahweh of armies. The whole earth is full of his glory and the foundations of the threshold tremble at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. Then I said, woe is me for I am ruined because I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips for my eyes have seen the king, the Lord Yahweh of armies. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt and your shame have been taken away. Atonement is made for your sins. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? The voice of Adonai says, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, Lord. Send me. Father, over the next couple of moments, I ask that you would help me to preach and teach your word, God. Help me to articulate to the people the description of your person and your name, Jehovah Adonai. Lord, we give you all the honor, glory, and praise for what has taken place in the house this morning. God, we pray that it would continue to overflow as we go throughout our service today. God, we bless you. We honor you and give you praise. It's in Jesus' name that I pray and the church said amen. 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 Well, today is going to be a day of some teaching and some preaching, I guess. Call it treaching, I guess. Uh, I'm a a teacher-preacher. I never want you to come to the house of God and not leave with something that maybe you might not have understood or known before. I'll get excited, I'll run laps with the best of them, and I'll split, spit three rows back. But sometimes we need to learn, amen. So bear with me as I break this thing down. I'm going to be reading off this iPad some, and then I'll come, come off of it, because you need to get to know some other definitions. I spoke at a marriage conference yesterday, and this brother gave a revelation about uh, the dictionary is actually uh, the second Bible. <laughs> 
because it gives you the definitions of words. Us preachers, when we go get to studying and we find out the actual definition of a word and Jesus, who is the word in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. When you study out the word and then you go put some definitions behind it, it'll really show you what God's trying to tell you. So God uses, of course, his word in the Bible because he is it. But then you throw some real definitions. See, a lot of people say words. I don't even know what they mean. Oh, come on, somebody. I've been guilty of it, too. Sometimes I make up words. Come on, somebody. Oh, don't we need grace? Don't we need grace? But I got to show you some stuff. So track with me. Bear with me as I lay this thing out. And we've got baptisms. We've got altar ministry that we're going to get back into. And I'm just going to tell you right now, I ain't putting a time limit on God. You want to put a time limit on God? The door is right there. I love you, but the door is right there. I want God to do everything that God wants to do. And when you try to put God in a box, I'm sorry, he'll bust out of it. Amen. So I gave you that warning before we get started. So this series is all based off of John 17, 3, where Jesus says this. This is eternal life. That you would know God and know Jesus Christ, his son, whom he has sent. So eternal life is all wrapped up in knowing God. And when I told you earlier that the names of God describe his character and who he is. So this is a breakdown of how we can get to know him better. That's the name of this series that we're kicking off. We kicked it off a couple of weeks ago, right? Let's get to know him. This is all about getting to know God, his characteristics, who he is, what he's done, what he's capable of doing in your life. Amen. So eternal life is all wrapped up in knowing God. That means relationship. That doesn't mean how much you tithe, how many church services you go to, how good of a little boy or a good little girl that you are. It's all about relationship with God, meaning that you talk with him, meaning that he talks with you, meaning that you open your word because that's how he talks to you most of the time, by the way, meaning that you spend time in worship and prayer and you're spending time in the presence of God. By the way, that's the only way to get to know somebody is to spend time with them. We have too many Christians that spend time with God on Sundays and some Wednesdays when they feel like going to church and that's all they get. Oh, y'all all right? It might be one of them days today. But we need the truth, right? We need the truth, right? If your salvation is only is wrapped up in relationship. But if I all right, let me just put it like this. And I don't know why I'm going here. Maybe it's because I was at a marriage conference this past weekend, but. Like, if I only spent one day a week with my wife, my marriage would suck. Yes, I said that. It would stink. It would be horrible. And some of us can't figure out why we are in a place with God that we're in the place that we're in with God. But we won't spend time with Him. We, we won't spend time in his word. We won't spend time in prayer. We won't spend time in worship. We don't spend time in church and getting plugged in and serving. Come on, somebody. I'm trying to provoke you to understand that salvation is not just about saying a little prayer, getting dunked in a bucket of water and us handing you a T-shirt. No, this is about relationship with the God who created you, the God who loves you, the God who has a plan and a purpose for your life. Do you understand that each and every one of you have a God has a plan and a purpose for your life, but you will never understand that if you do not have relationship with him. You'll never understand what it is that God has called you to do on the face of the earth if you do not have relationship with him. So let's get to know God. 
Let's get to know God. So eternal life is wrapped up in knowing him. But you can get to know God by understanding his nature and character. And you will better understand his nature and character when you know his name. So the first two weeks, we covered two of them, the Elohim and El Shaddai. The Elohim, the Elohim is descriptive of his creative power, his creating power, his omnipotence and his sovereignty. I don't got time to preach this all over again. If you missed it, please go back and watch it. The Elohim is descriptive of his creating power, his omnipotence and his sovereignty. And we talked about this as well. The Elohim is in the plural. The Elohim points to the Father, Son and Holy Ghost. Being there in the beginning at the creation. That's why Colossians 1 can go forth and tell you that everything was created by him, for him, and through him. And in him all things consist and Jesus Christ holds preeminence. He was there at creation. He was just known as the Elohim then. He was also known as the Word. Jesus' eternal name is Word. Logos. Logos means that he's the full concept of God. I said it earlier, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Jesus is the entire concept of the Elohim wrapped in flesh so that we could understand what God is really like. El Shaddai, God Almighty and all sufficient one. Isn't that a powerful statement to know that the God that you serve is El Shaddai. He is God Almighty. He is all powerful. He's all knowing. He's omnipresent. You serve El Shaddai. And he's, watch this. He's all sufficient. Meaning everything that you need is wrapped up in him. And we think that we got problems. What if we would begin to call on El Shaddai and understand that he's the all sufficient one? See, look, look, you just can't call me by any old name and me respond to you. But when you call me by Caleb, I will respond. So when we call God by the name that is descriptive of him with what we need, when we need it, he'll show up every time. Maybe we should start calling him by these names that I'm preaching and teaching over the next couple of weeks. Amen. So El Shaddai, he is all sufficient. He is all powerful. He is all mighty. Amen. So this week we're going to attempt to tackle two of these, which is Jehovah and Yahweh, as it is written in the Hebrew, which means Lord and Adonai, which means Lord as well. But it also means master. The reason I chose the text of Isaiah chapter six, I told you that just a little bit ago, is that Isaiah chapter six actually uses both names in the same text. And pay attention to that because there's revelation there about himself in the text because he has revealed himself in two ways in one encounter. Oh, y'all missed a good time to shout. God reveals himself in two ways in one encounter. That's the type of God that you serve. So here we go. Touch your neighbor. Tell him, put your thinking cap on. (laughs) Because here we go. Jehovah. First point here. We get the name Jehovah from the word Yahweh. Jehovah is a Latinization of the transliterated word Yahweh. This name has been debated about from scholars for some time now, but let me explain where that comes from and then let me smash the argument because there's nothing to argue about. The Hebrew people were writing out the name Yahweh 
the Hebrew people, when writing out the name Yahweh, wouldn't even write it out all the way because they were so scared of taking the name of God in vain, they would not even write it all the way out in Yahweh. There was two reasons behind this. Number one was that they didn't use vowels in their language until later on, but the other was also because in Mosaic law, if you took the Lord's name in vain, you could be put to death. Also takes OMG to a whole nother level, doesn't it? I'll leave that alone. The Hebrew people had a better uh, a level of reverence for the name of God than we do. So when they would write out God, they would use what's called a tetragrammaton. Did I say that right? A tetragrammaton, actually. Okay, there we go. Tetragrammaton. And which is four letters that told you the name without saying it. So, for example, Yahweh was spelled Y-H-W-H. Jehovah was spelled J-H-W-H. It didn't have vowels, and it was so sacred to them that they wouldn't even write out the full name. Yahweh is how you will see it in the Hebrew, but Jehovah is how you would see it transliterated in our language, which comes from the Latin. Some folks get hung up on this, But they mean the same thing. They both mean Lord. The spelling of the name of God is not as important as the heart that is calling upon the name of God. And of course, God himself. By the way, Jesus, when he returns, he's got a name written on a sash coming across his chest that nobody knows except him. (laughs) Well, pastor, I thought the name was important. This is what this is all about, right? Yes, it is. And yes, it is. But I'm saying we don't get caught up in the argument of is Jehovah right or is Yahweh right? They are both the same name. Some people will argue with you until they are blue in the face over Yahweh and Jehovah. But my Bible tells me to avoid foolish debates. It's just like the argument that's going around right now. Well, You can't call Jesus Jesus. You need to be calling him Yeshua. Some folks are teaching and preaching that he isn't showing up because you're calling him Jesus and you need to be calling him Yeshua. Can I just pound that debate real quick and smash it to pieces? The seven sons of Sceva were calling on the name of Jesus that Paul preaches. By the way, they were Jewish. So when they said the name of Jesus, they were actually saying Yeshua. But did you know that the seven sons of Sceva, when they called on the name of Yeshua, and they were trying to invoke the name of Jesus, the demon looked at them and said, I know Paul, and I definitely know Jesus, but who are you? They whooped them and sent them packing. So what are you trying to say, Pastor? I'm squashing that argument. It doesn't matter about the name in the sense of which name should we use and, and blah, blah, blah. I'm telling you, it, it, what matters is the heart behind the person that is invoking the name. I was talking about relationship a minute ago. It takes relationship with Jesus to invoke that name and something shift and chains get broke and marriages get put back together and people can get out of wheelchairs and broke bones can get put back together. Come on. We had Miss Rhonda just had her knee. She said, my pain was at a 10. She got hands laid on her a minute ago, got laid 
out in the floor and got up with no more pain. Praise God. It's the name of Jesus and the heart behind the one calling on the name of Jesus that makes all the difference. All right, TikTok, there you go. Y'all can stop the debate. My goodness. Christians, sometimes we petty. Just petty. If you'd read your Bible and do a little studying, you wouldn't be so petty anymore. You know it. All right, I got to move on. (laughs) So here we go. So now that I've laid some groundwork on the actual name of Jehovah and Yahweh, which means Lord. Jehovah is the name that is most frequently used in the Bible. Watch this. 6,823 times it makes its first appearance in the second chapter of Genesis when God goes on to create mankind. Remember I told you in the first session that Elohim was used all the way in first, uh, the first and second chapter up until the second chapter. After he makes mankind, he describes himself as Jehovah Elohim. Or Elohim Jehovah. He is described as the Elohim all the way up until this point. Until he creates something in his image. Until he creates something in his image and likeness. He is expecting for the image and likeness to know him as Lord. And be obedient to him so that it can reflect him. I'll get to that in a second. But the name Jehovah is derived from the Hebrew word Hava. That's why Jehovah is probably really, it's, it's accurate, right? Which means to be or being. Jehovah means to be or being. Hava means to be or being. In return, we must understand that Jehovah or Yahweh as the being who is absolutely self-existent. He is the one who he himself possesses essential life and has permanent existence The one who always exists and is eternal and is unchangeable. Hence, we read from Isaiah 43, 10 and 11. It says this. This is God speaking. He says, I am he. Before me, there was no Elohim formed. Neither shall there be after me. I even I am Jehovah. And beside me, there is no savior. All the other names of God are derived from his works, except Jehovah and Yahweh. All the other names of God that we're going to talk about are descriptive of his works. Even Elohim, although it's in the plural, it is descriptive of his creative nature, his omnipotence, his sovereignty. It's describing things that he does. But Jehovah and Yahweh is the one name that is descriptive of who he actually is. The all eternal one. Come on, the all existing one, the being that was and is and is to come. Amen. It is this Name describes the very substance of God. It teaches and reveals him as the living God. Oh, pay attention to that. It teaches and reveals him as the living God. When describing other gods in the Bible, you'll even see that word Elohim, but it's always lowercase. Elohims, it's not capitalized. It reveals him as the living God, not a dead God or created God by But he is the creator, hence making him the real God, hence making him the one that you can actually go into a covenant with. Don't go into covenant with non-real gods. Doesn't make sense, does it? Go into a covenant with the living God, the one true living God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, right? So here then we have the living God reveals himself to a covenant people as the unchanging God. He remains faithful through every generation. This name lets us know that he's personable in existence. 
The continuity of his dealings with man, the unchangeableness of his promises, the revelation of his whole redeeming mercies is gathered around the name Jehovah. The name Jehovah reveals that he's a God of covenant. The name Jehovah reveals that he is unchangeable. The name Jehovah reveals that he is faithful. The name Jehovah reveals that he is personable. Oh my goodness, isn't it good to know that you serve a God who is personable? Come on, that he can relate to you, that he created you, that he shaped you and you in your mother's womb. And I love this about Jesus too, because Jesus didn't just tell you what to do. Jesus came and showed you what to do. The Elohim, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in him bodily. So the Elohim was on Jesus life and he wraps himself in flesh and he shows us how to live this thing out. He's personable. He's personable. We have promises. We have mercy that he will gather us to his name. And that name is Jehovah, the Lord. When we say the name Lord, that can sound churchy. When we say the name Lord, that can sound churchy or that can even sound like old English. Like what in the world? Okay, well, Lord, we hear that a lot, right? But let me break this down for us so that we can understand this in our times. We're familiar with a landlord, right? You have a landlord when you're renting property. It's the landlord's duty when something breaks to come and fix his property if you're paying rent. If he doesn't step in to fix whatever is broke, he will lose the value on his investments and the value on his investment drops. And any good landlord will come running fast, quick, and in a hurry to fix the investment of the broke thing of his property. <laughs> What are you trying to say, Pastor? I'm trying to tell you that when you know him as Jehovah and when you know him as Lord, things can break in your life and things can be messed up in your life. But he has an investment in you. Come on, somebody. I said he has an investment in you. He paid the highest price for you. He sent his one and only son to get you back. Come on. He paid the high. Heaven went bankrupt for 33 years to get you back. God has an investment in you. And when he is Jehovah Lord, you can call the landlord. Come on. If wicked people know how to give good gifts. Come on. If a wicked landlord knows how to take care of his investment and come fix things when things are broke, how much more will the Lord God Jehovah fix things when they're breaking in your life? Oh, we need to know him as Jehovah and Lord. Come on, Jehovah, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, I'm telling you when things go wrong, when things have broken your life, you need to call on Yahweh, Jehovah. Come on, call on the landlord. Say, God, come fix it. Come on, God, come put it back together. God, if you fix it, I'll sustain it. God, if you fix it, I'll upkeep it. God, if you come in and fix it, I'll take care of it. God, I'll steward it well if you come fix the thing that is broke. Come on. God, I'll take care of what you put back together. But I'm calling on the landlord, Jehovah. And I'm saying, God, I need you. God, I need your presence. God, I need your spirit. Come put this thing back together and glue it back together, God. And I promise you, I'll steward it well. Come on. We need to know him as Jehovah. And there went my voice. Praise God. (laughs) Help me, Lord. Here we go. I got to hurry. Jehovah mostly does give us about his nature and his substance, but it is in his description 
of his being and all existing one, but it is also descriptive through context. I was talking to a real brilliant brother yesterday at that conference. He has a a PhD in theology. And we were sitting there and I was talking to him about starting this series a couple of weeks ago and talking about the names of God. And me and him got to talking about how it is actually descriptive in the context around the name that will show you and describe to you the definition of that name. The context around the scripture plus the name is the meaning and where we can get the understanding of the name. Meaning the name's definition plus the context around the scripture helps us to better understand the nature and character of God. In the context of the scriptures, the name Jehovah begins to show up. In the context of the scriptures, where the name Jehovah begins to show up, we pick up things about uh, God and his character. Because some of the context where this name Jehovah is used, holiness is there. Righteousness is there. Judgment, meaning he, he executes judgment on sin because his nature is holiness and his nature is righteousness. We pick up that Jehovah is actually all about love. A righteous Jehovah whose holiness is thus violated and outraged must condemn unrighteousness and punish it. So it is Jehovah who pronounces and meets out punishment in return displaying love. It is Jehovah who sends man out of the garden. We tend to think, man, they made one mistake and God kicked them out. No, 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 you don't understand. He said, we've got to get them out of here because they've ate of the tree of knowledge and good and evil. And if they eat of the tree of life, they'll be stuck this way. It was God's mercy. It was Jehovah Elohim who said, we've got to get them out of here because if they eat of the tree of life, after they've eaten of the tree of knowledge, they'll be stuck that way. It was Jehovah's mercy that sends him out of the garden and displays his great love for mankind. Most of us understand God's holiness, meaning his distinction, his righteousness, meaning perfection, his judgment, meaning he judges sin. But how does that prove his love, right? Thought kicking Adam out of the garden was mean. No, God's not mean when he... Oh, Jesus. When God judges things and when pastors and fivefold ministry people, and it don't even have to be that. It can be people who are mentors in your life and that have a voice to speak into your life. It's not that everybody's trying to be mean to me. Maybe it's love because if I see you walking towards a pit and I don't stop you from falling in the pit and I say that I love you, watch this. God says it like this in first John. He says, don't tell me that you love me when you don't love people. Don't tell me that you love. How can you love God whom you can't see when you can't love your brother who you can see? (laughs) And Paul puts it like this. Man, I'm going to get in trouble today. (laughs) What business do I have doing judging outsiders? But judgment starts in the house of God. You can't judge me. They be popping their neck and stuff when they say it. You can't judge me. Only God can judge. We got people tatting it all over him. Only God can judge me. You're right. He's going to judge you. There should be a fear of the Lord on your life about God's judgment. But let me tell you something right now. In the house and the church of Jesus Christ, 
We ought to be looking at each other's fruit. We ought to be trying to provoke one another to a higher place. We ought to be trying to provoke one another to holiness. We ought to be trying to provoke one another to love. We ought to be trying to provoke one another and hold each other accountable. Because the Lord is coming back and the fear of the Lord needs to be on our lives. Holy Spirit, touch this throat. Seriously, though, this has gotten out of control in the church. Where we think that we can't receive correction anymore. Come on, he's the Lord. We've got to receive correction from the Lord. Jesus, sub key number three here. Can I give you the reason why, and I gotta hurry. Can I give you the reason why God's standard is holiness and righteousness and judgment and love and all of those things? For God's people. That's the way that God is. But God expects that out of his people as well. Do you want to know why? It's because God hates misrepresentation. Let me get back in your living room. He hates misrepresentation. He hates misrepresentation. Because if you were created in the image and the likeness of God. But you're out misrepresenting him misrepresenting him to the world around you let me tell you something right now my friend you better get real tough real quick because you're going to rain down the judgment of god on your life you're going to you're going to rain down god letting you go through and here's the thing this is the see this is what's crazy you want to know what the judgment of god is too it's when he turns you over to yourself Oh, I ain't got time. I ain't got time to preach that. But let me tell you something right now. That's the judgment of God when he says, oh, you think you've got it figured out. Oh, okay. Let me take my hands off of this situation. Can I just say this about my own life right now? It, I could have my life ruined by breakfast tomorrow if God was to take his hand off of my... You don't need no devil. You don't need no demons. You don't need no spiritual attack. Let me tell you something right now. If Caleb turned loose what was on the inside of Caleb years ago, I'd have my life ruined in a day. You don't need no devil. Devil made me do it. No, he didn't. You did it. Don't need no devil. The judgment of God is when he turns. Go, just go fact check me. Read Romans 1. He turns them over to a debased mind. But most of the time this is when stuff and people just won't receive correction. They, correction's got to come from a place of love. Jehovah corrects. And he hates misrepresentation. When you misrepresent, when you misrepresent him to the world around you, you better get tough quick because God hates misrepresentation. When you claim the name of God and you sound like the world and you talk like the world and you listen to the music of the world, y'all ain't saying nothing, and you watch the shows of the world and there's no holiness on your life, there's no distinction, there's no separation, come on. I'm not saying that there ain't grace. I'm just telling you that when you misrepresent him and you say one thing but you live another thing, you better toughen up real quick because the judgment of God will come on your life by him doing this misrepresentation God doesn't like mixture let me say that again God doesn't like mixture you're either for him or against him you either gather or scatter that's what he says 
You either gather, and now I'm not preaching perfection, but what I am telling you is that you can look different than the world around you because you'll never go in and change and save the thing that you look just like. Let me just put it like this. There's a man, he had a dream one day. Man, he has a dream one day. He's sitting on this huge fence. He's sitting on this huge fence and the devil's on this side with a bunch of people and Jesus is on this side with a bunch of people and then all of a sudden, poof, everybody disappears. Then all of a sudden, Satan comes back into the picture. He says, oh, there you are. I was looking for you. He said, whoa, whoa, what do you mean you was looking for me? I didn't choose you. I didn't choose Jesus. And I definitely didn't choose you. He said, sure you did. The fence is mine. You, you can't be riding the fence in the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God is something totally different than the fence. Amen. Jesus. And here we go. My favorite part of this message. Adonai. Adonai. This name means Lord and Master. This name means Lord and Master. So the Hebrew people were so afraid of saying the name Yahweh or Jehovah in vain, they made up a new word. Adonai. When I read that, it almost bothered me. Does that bother anybody that they made up a word? I will. So watch this. They make up the word Adonai. Adon, Adon in the Hebrew was a terminology used for landlord. And then they put AI on it, making it plural. And it becomes Adonai. And it is a name for God. Y'all ever seen that uh, Avengers movie where they're Thor and he's talking to them about this and that. And he's like, never delir. He's like, that's a made up word. He's like, all words are made up. <laughs> It's, it's, it's real, right? It's actually true. All words are actually made up. Mind-blowing. So then I stopped being bothered by it when the Lord gave me the revelation from Avengers. Anyways. <laughs> but Adonai, and watch this, God recognizes it. God recognizes the name that they have put on him. And, and I think one of the reasons why they recognize it so why he recognizes it so well, is because Adonai is in the plural. The Father, Son, and Holy Ghost is all up in the middle of Adonai. So Adonai, watch this. The, the, the made, they made the name Adonai in the Hebrew. I've already told you that. Adon, landlord. And it was a landlord or a master. Adon was a landlord or a master of slaves. And they added the AI on the end that makes it plural. God recognizes it. And here we go. So here is where we run into some problems with Christians. <clears throat> here's where we run into problems with Christians. They know him as Savior, but they don't know him as Adonai. I have found in my walk with the Lord that there are so many people out there that are good with Jesus being their Savior, but they're not good with him being the Lord. But the Bible calls him Lord and Savior. It actually calls him Lord first. Because everybody's good with a Savior. Everybody's good with saying a prayer, not going to hell and spending an eternity separated from God. People are good with those type of things. But then when you start talking about being Lord and Master, things begin to shift. Oh, what? You want him to be Lord and Savior? 
<laughs> oh, you, you, you mean I, I got to give some things up? Come, you mean that God wants me to love my enemy? You, you mean that God says that I should tithe and give a 10% away of my money to the king? Oh, don't mess with people's money. You, you, you mean to tell me that the Lord doesn't want me sleeping around and being a womanizer anymore because now that, now that I'm saved, he saved me, but he has to be Lord too. No, no, Jesus died on the cross for my sins. He, he doesn't need me to be Lord too. Surely not. You mean God wants me to give up my selfishness and my selfish ambitions and my lying and my cheating and my stealing and my fornication and my shacking up. Yeah, I said it. I, I pre- I've been preaching this stuff. It ain't nothing new. Come on. I'm telling you that he does require of you to be Savior and Lord. He wants you to be Lord. He wants to be your Lord and Savior. He wants to be your Lord and Savior because he's all about Savior. I preached this message yesterday from issues to identity. He's all about healing you of your issues, but then he wants you to know who you are. He needs you to know who you are because you can't do what God has called you to do until you know who you are. So watch this. He's all about saving you and he came and he paid the highest price for that. He will do that. He wants to do that for you. But he also, it comes with a requirement to make him Lord and Savior. I'm going to be real edgy right here. He can't be Savior if he ain't Lord. Because watch this. If he's he's not Lord, you don't have relationship with him. If he's not Lord, and you don't walk in obedience to the simple things that he calls you to walk in obedience to, your relationship will suffer. And with no relationship, there's no salvation. So there's no saving. Okay? He's got to be Jehovah Adonai and Savior. But if you make him the Lord of your life, he will be your Savior. And and I got good news for because I know that was kind of hard, but let me butter you up a little bit more real quick, okay? Like when you make him Lord... Meaning that you want to do everything the right way. Your heart is pure before God. And even though you will make mistakes. Can I just help you too? When he's Lord, you're still going to make mistakes. You're still going to make mistakes. But guess what? There's grace for you if he's Lord. Things will still break, but he's the landlord. Come on. You'll still make mistakes, but he's the landlord. The question is, is your heart right to say, God, I want to do things the right way. God, I make you Lord of my life and I'm going to wake up and every day when my feet hit the floor, God, I'm going to serve you. And God, if I make a mistake, I trip up and fall, you're going to be right there with loving arms to pick me up and pull me up out of my mess. There's grace for you. Don't hear what I'm saying and turn it into that preacher really got on us today. And he talked about sin and talked about like, I'm going to stand before God and give an account for what I released from this little piece of equipment right here. Your soul is counting on me to tell you the truth. But there's grace. 
if you'll just receive it and make him Lord, he becomes your savior and he pays for every mistake that you've ever made and every mistake that you will make in the future. Amen. Amen. Y'all still love me? All right. Here we go. I'm almost done. In order, in order to understand him as Adonai, meaning master, you need to understand the Bible and slavery. You need to understand the Bible and slavery because slavery in the Bible was a lot different than the atrocities of slavery and the pictures that we have seared in our mind here in America. And let me just say that. Slavery here in America was the most despicable thing that has ever happened in our nation and probably nations all across the world. Our minority brothers and sisters, us that are not people of color. I got a little bit of color in me, right, mama? But us, us white folks, too, we need to understand the atrocity of slavery that happened in our country. And we need to come alongside our brothers and sisters. And we should fight for justice. You understand that that was one of the qualities of God? Righteousness and justice. Righteousness and justice. I know that this is a, everything is a case-by-case case scenario and basis, and there's truths that happen in every situation. But my goodness, if the church can't stand up for justice, who in the world will? We've got to stand up for what's right is right. What's wrong is wrong. And we've got to stand up for what's right. But watch this. So in order to understand this concept of the master and in, in in this concept of master in his name, you'll need to understand the Hebrew Old Testament slavery. This is not the atrocity of slavery that we recognize from America's past. This is something totally different. And I'm going to prove it. Watch this. Genesis 15, chapter 2 says this. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me? Seeing I go childless and the heir of my house is Elizer from Damascus. Elizer is heir to Abraham's fortune and dynasty because he was his slave. You see, when you're a slave in the Hebrew culture, you become a part of the family and there is an investment in you. <laughs> Abraham said... Lord, Eliza, my slave, is going to inherit everything from me. So when you understand this concept of Adonai being the master, and you understand this concept of becoming a slave to God, by the way, go read your Bible. Paul says it over and over and over again. Become a slave to God. Become a slave to righteousness. Don't become a slave and get caught up in that yoke go around your neck again of, of being a slave to sin. But he is telling you to become a slave of righteousness. It's all throughout the scriptures. So when you understand him as Adonai, you can become a slave of righteousness. And if you become a slave of righteousness, who Jesus, by the way, is your righteousness. Your righteousness is as filthy rags. But because you have faith and trust in Jesus Christ, 
He took everything in Jesus' bank account and deposited it into your bank account. And he lived a spotless and a sinless life. Colossians 1 and Ephesians 1 say it like this. You are holy, blameless, and righteous in the eyes of the Father when you are in Christ. It's all under the blood, folks. When he sees you, he sees him. Mm. But watch this. Eliza was the heir. Do you want to know what this tells me? Is that if you become a slave to God, if you become a slave to righteousness, if you become a slave to Jesus and have this shift in your mind, if you become a slave to Adonai, he can become your master. And when, when he becomes your master, you are heir to everything. The Bible in Romans 8 calls you a co-heir with Christ. <laughs> My goodness. Y'all are missing really good times to shout. Co-heir with Christ? What? That's God's son. God kept cracking open the skies every time Jesus would do something. And he would say, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Oh, what would happen if the church would recognize that that's how God sees you? His beloved And he says, this is my son. This is my daughter in whom I love. And I am well pleased simply because of your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Now you're a co-heir. Oh, and if you then you become a slave of Adonai, everything can be handed to you. Everything. Wow, that's some good stuff. Jesus. Hmm. Come on, the slave recognizes that without the master, they'd be homeless. Come on, the slave recognizes without the master, they'd be jobless. Come on, the slave recognizes without the master, they'd be a beggar. Y'all ain't saying no thing. Come on, the the, the slave recognizes that they are a part of the family when they are, they let Adonai become master of it all. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Here we go. I'm I'm closing. First closing. No, I'm about to close. You know, the Hebrews 5, 8 tells us this. Watch this. It says, although he was a son, he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. I'm going to let that sit. That Jesus Christ himself. Learned obedience to the Father. Because did y'all know that Jesus was wrapped in a body like me and you? He was wrapped in flesh. So you want to know what that means? That he felt and, and went through the same temptations that you and I did. Philippians 3 says that he set his deity to the side and walked this thing out as a man under the power of the Holy Spirit. Which is the same thing that you and I are doing. And yet he was sinless. Oh, that'll challenge some folks. But watch this. He learned obedience from the things which he suffered. Suffering. We don't want to go through nothing. We, we don't want to go through nothing. And we think every time we go through something, God is trying to rain down fire and judgment on our heads. But can I tell you, you can't even learn obedience without going through things in life. You can't learn obedience without getting through the fire. You can't learn obedience without going through trials and tribulations and things being hard and things being tough. Jesus had it tougher than anyone on the face of the earth. 
But he walked in obedience. Suffering sounds like slaveship to me. Suffering sounds like slaveship. Being a slave isn't always fun, but it brings you into the family. Being a slave and going through the suffering, making your flesh submit to what Christ wants you to do, even when you don't feel like it, becoming a slave to Adonai qualifies you to be brought into the family of God. Boy, we need a fresh revelation in the church of Jesus Christ about Jehovah Adonai. We need a fresh revelation of that because we're, we're all good with a Savior. But my God, we need Jehovah Adonai. We need the Lord. We need the Master. You know, Jesus gave us the greatest example of understanding God the Father as Jehovah Adonai. I don't know if you, you understand this or not, but... He was there, well, you should because I've been telling you it, but he was there in the beginning as the Elohim. Yet when he walked the earth, he submitted to him as Father, but also Jehovah Adonai. Let me put it to you like this way. Jesus says, I don't say a thing without my Father telling me to say it. I don't do a thing without my Father telling me to do it. Yet he was God. And we struggle with obedience to the things that God calls us to. Y'all have heard me say this a million and one times if you've come to this church for any amount of time. But can I just say this? Like God is not an old man in the sky with a beard down to here who looks like father time. But he is a father. Do you understand that he asks you to live a certain way because it will bless your life? He's a good, good father. He's not ready to throw lightning bolts at you every time that you make a mistake. No, he's a good father. He asks you to live a certain way because he wants you to live a blessed life. And he knows if you live contrary to the way and the statutes that God has given you to live by, you're going to go through a lot of pain that's unnecessary. So many of, our, of us in our relationships were suffering because we're and we're going through things that are unnecessary if we would just be obedient to the way that God has told us to operate in our relationships that there could be an incredible blessing just poured out on it and if you do things the right way you just watch that the arguments would stop that the love could come back come on God God asks you to live a certain way by, by, by not being consumed with wine and alcohol and drugs and all of these things and leaning on little pills to, to get you through your day. Why? Because he's a good father. He knows that it's just going to produce more drama, more pain, more hurt. He's the only one that can heal you of the trauma that you're trying to numb yourself from, the pain, the, the drama, the craziness that you might have walked through in your life. He's the only one that can heal you of that stuff. On top of the fact that you're practicing witchcraft and, and pharmacia when you do those type of things. And we want a breakthrough from God, but you're, you're, you're working in your flesh trying to fix your own problems that only he can touch and fix. Come on, he's not, he's not some old man in the sky looking like Zeus and Father Time just trying to take you out and suck the fun out of your life. Can I just say that too? Like God isn't trying to suck the fun out of your life. 
And I know that there's teenagers in the room, but what? I don't care anymore. I ain't scared of none of y'all. <laughs> like, God, God asks you to not have sex before marriage. Why? Because you are doing something and participating in something where two flesh become one. And you're giving information to somebody that they have not yet qualified themselves for. And you're the one that's going to end up hurt. He's trying to look out for you. Come on, I'm telling you that he's available as Savior. But he wants you to know him as Jehovah Adonai as well. He wants you to know him as Savior. He wants you to know him as Prince of Peace and the great grace giver. But he also wants you to know him as Lord and Master. Because when you know him as Lord and Master, you're heir to it all. He wants to give it, he wants to God, he wants to give it all to you. He wants you to inherit the kingdom. He wants you to participate in the kingdom. He wants you to have peace when you lay your head on your pillow at night. He wants you to have peace and not strife in your marriage. He wants you to have love in your relationships. He wants you to be able to forgive other people so that he can forgive you. He has promises for you. He has blessings for you. Come on, but we got to know him. As Abba, Father, we got to know him as the Elohim. We need to know him as El Shaddai. We need to know him as Savior. We need to know him as Jehovah. Come on, with every head bowed and eye closed right here in this moment. Let's handle some business with the Lord. Come on, is there anybody here in the room that says, man, I've believed on Jesus as Savior, but I need to know him as Lord. I know he came to save me. I know he paid the greatest price. I know all of that, but I need need to know him as Adonai. I need to know him and make him master of my life. I need to make him Lord and Savior of my life. Come on, if that's you, I just want you to slip up your hand right there wherever you're at and say, I want to make him Lord. I want to make him Savior. I want to make him Lord and Savior. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Come on, Lord and Savior. Eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Come on, Jesus. Come on, you want to make him Lord and Savior? Throw your hands in the air. Hallelujah. I want you to stand with me on your feet real quick. And we as the family of God right here and right now, we're about to say this prayer together with these individuals who have made that commitment today and said, God, I'm giving you everything. I'm tired of playing games. I don't need, I don't just need a savior. I need the Lord and savior. And we're going to say this prayer and all of heaven is fixing to break loose in a crazy, crazy type of praise that people now know him as savior and Jehovah Adonai as the family of God. Repeat this after me. Say, Father God, 
I believe in you. And I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. God, I call on you today. Not just as my savior, but Jehovah Adonai. Lord, you are my Lord and Savior. God, you are my master. I will listen to you. I will be obedient to you. I will do what you call me to do. I will say what you call me to say. I give you my life completely, wholly, as a sacrifice unto you I turn it all over my mind my will my emotions God my soul is yours forgive me of my sins forgive me of my trespasses in Jesus name amen come on can you Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. If you would like to support the ministry of the Recovery to Recovered podcast, you could go to canvasshebbyville.com or bethebushministries.com. If you're enjoying the content that you are receiving here on the show, you can also follow me on social media on TikTok at Pastor Caleb Mack, as well as Instagram, Pastor Caleb Mack, and on Facebook under Caleb McCall. Be blessed. Until next time on the Recovery to Recovered podcast.